0: Praise the Lord. Beautiful baptism, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. God meets us at times like that. I'm moved by it. Um, I just so much want to see God move in people's lives. It's not really about the church. The church is just a function that God uses a format. It's important, but God so desperately cares about moving in people's lives. One of the things I enjoyed so much is that God is showing up and meeting people in their dreams. Just get, I'm praying that God meets each and every one of you in your dreams, that it goes beyond our church, and we, we, we try everything we know to see people come into all what God has for them. But we need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Lord to show up and minister to people and uh, speak repentance and speak life and speak encouragement to people. And I love it when God does it in his own way outside of our programs because God is God, amen? And God's showing up and... He loves people, and he wants to reach them, and he wants to see them redeemed. And when I hear that, I go, praise God. I want to be a part of that. (laughs) I want to be a part of seeing God move and change people's lives. Uh, We've been talking about the last Sunday opening up this year's theme of being empowered. So much of our Christian life tends to be anemic, and in need. And God wants to empower us with his Holy Spirit. And whatever level God has empowered you, there's always more. Amen? God's got more. You never get to go, well, I've arrived. Don't ever say those words. (laughs) There's so much more of God that always is before us. And we see through a glass darkly, but we continue to press on each in our own part of our journey. But we are asking God, God, I need more. It's a good prayer every morning to wake up and say, Jesus, I need you. May God empower us by the Holy Spirit. God wants to empower you to do the works that he has prepared for you. you know that God has work prepared for you to do? But you can't do it without his power. So we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to, even to do the work that he's called us to do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to have victory over sin. It's not just gritting our teeth and saying, I'm going to be righteous. Never ever work for you? Yeah, it'll work for me. I mean, it's a good idea. It's nice. It's good that you're committed in that direction, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to even serve the Lord, to even want to serve the Lord. It says, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. We need, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the question I have for you this morning is, where do you get it? Where do you get the power of the Holy Spirit? Where do you get that power that we also desperately need? You know, if I just answered off the cuff, I'd say, well, you get it in a great worship service. I love the worship here. Thank you, worship team. You help lead me, you help lead us to the throne. I appreciate those great times of worship, but that's not the answer. It's one of the answers, but that's not the answer. Or people say, well, I get it by hearing a good preaching. Well, I pray that the preaching gives power. We say, oh, pastor, powerful sermon. It's always nice to hear those things, but I looked through the scriptures, and those were not the things that stood out to me of where we get the power of God. What I found was a bit eye-opening for me, and I want to share that with you today by looking at two Bible stories. And here's the take home. I like to simplify things. That God's power comes, or God empowers us when we are together. Just say together with me. Now, that goes against our American way that I can do it my way. I can do it alone. I'm the self-made man. But I am not, nor are you. And God's power comes to us together. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 5.13. The Solomon's dedication of the temple of God. A little historical background of what we're talking about in this story. The great King David... Probably the greatest king ever, great King David, has died. And his son Solomon is stepping into becoming the new king over Israel. And in honor of the Lord, one of the first things that King Solomon did is that he said it was time to build a temple for the Lord God. And he realized, how can I build a temple for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? What building could ever house the Lord? which he realized that this was not going to be be enough for God, but it was what God called them to build. So they built this incredible temple. I read about it. They had cedar beams brought in from Lebanon. Lebanon's about 200 miles to the north, so they cut these massive trunks, these massive trees, and floated them down the sea to build the great temple. 200 miles. They cut stones from an underground quarry. Saw some pictures of that. They went underground, and I don't know how they did it, probably just a hammer and chisel, but they cut stones for the temple. And then they decorated the temple with incredible gold and silver and jewels, and the place was an incredible temple to God. Massive. And then the cherry on top, they brought the Ark of the Covenant from the city of David. And when they brought the Ark in, they had sacrifices all along the way, along the road. I don't know how long it took. probably says, but it took a long time because every time they moved forward, they were sacrificing to the Lord. They sacrificed countless animals. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God. It was an incredible time, and I just want to read a little bit about this. The day to dedicate the temple came, and it said, and Solomon brought everyone together. Solomon probably could have walked in there and had a prayer and dedicated this temple, but that's not how he did it. I just want to read this scripture out of Second Chronicles chapter five. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel in Jerusalem to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion, and all the men of Israel. Say all. All the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast that is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the Ark. Different translation here, verse 13. And there was one voice in the trumpeting and in the psalm singing, and in a loud utterance with one voice to give thanks and praise to the Lord. And when they raised their voices together with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, they said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. All. He brought the masses together, the leadership. They came together. They didn't all stay in their home. He brought them together and Then the house was filled with the cloud of the glory of the Lord. They got together, they worshiped, they were in unity, they were one accord, and then God brought his anointing and his power upon the people. God's power comes when his people are together in unity. I want to jump to the New Testament. Remember the promise of Jesus. You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So there's power in the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And then we read about that in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, it was a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Another visitation of God upon the people of God. You know, as charismatics as those who know and believe that the gifts and the presence and the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for today, amen? It's one of the reasons we're in this church is because we say the gifts have not gone away. This is not something that, I heard some, I'm sorry, I'm gonna divert. I've heard somebody say, well, that's just because they really needed it then. And I go, really? Like, we don't need it now? I mean, we need the power, the gifts, the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so there's some models. How did they get it? Well, they were together. And so we, as charismatics, say, okay, we know what happened. But sometimes we miss the why it happened or how they invited and brought the Holy Spirit in, how they positioned themselves, maybe best said says they were all in one accord in one place. You know, we want an Acts 2 church. We want a church where the gifts of the Spirit are alive and well and being used in a healthy way. That's what we want. But it says here they were all in one accord in one place. I want to tie these two passages together. Second Chronicles says the choir and trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God the orchestra and choir in perfect harmony. They had their worship team, and they were good. And they blew the trumpets together, and their harmony was wonderful. Praise the Lord. They were unified, and they were together. And then Acts 2.1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And I repeat, the power of God comes when we are together together. In unity. You know, we all want the power of God. I think I can say that pretty clearly. We'd say, Lord, I want your power in my life. I need your strength. I need your help. That would be a prayer that we would be together on. But we often want it in our own personal, individualistic, independent way. Sometimes we want God on our terms. How many of you know that doesn't work very well? I've tried that. God, I want you to do this for me because this is what I want. And we get into danger in those areas because God is not our errand boy. But God is very willing and desirous to bless us and fill us with his power. So we want to look to the scriptures and say, God, how do we, what do we do? What are some of the principles that are important for us to encounter the power of God? And We read once again, they were all with one accord in one place. And one of the key principles is being together in unity. Being together in unity. Marching towards one goal with one voice, with one heart. Let me make it really clear. I'm not talking about becoming auditrons. I'm not talking about checking your brains at the door and becoming mindless followers. I don't want that. You don't want that. That's not what God is talking about. You just look around. We got very different people with very different giftings, and I say hallelujah. That's called the body of Christ, right? We don't all want to look alike. We don't all want to dress alike. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But I am talking about increasing the value you place upon loving and building relationships with other brothers and sisters in the church. And may I say we're in the right direction. I see wonderful things happening as we're growing as a church. But we will never get past community. We will never get past the call to love one another. Now somebody might say, well, pastor, are you going to get an ingrown church here? Are we all just going to look inside and sing kumbaya and forget about the lost? No. But if you're going to reach the lost and invite them in, you're inviting them into something, right? You're not just inviting them into an institution. You're inviting them into a family, the family of God. And they got to look and be able to say, those people got something going. They love me there. Something's different about those people. And the scripture said, look how they love one another. And America and the things of America, I'm American, the things of America tend to draw us away from that. Tend to say, you don't need anybody else, you can do it on your own and you cannot. One of the beautiful things of our mentoring relationships among in the women's ministry here and on the men's group with their smaller groups as they're saying, we need each other, brothers. We need someone to stand by us. We need people to call us out. We need people to support us in times of victory and to cry with us in times of pain. Going through life alone is just no good. And it's not just about being married and have a family because God calls us to this family as well. God calls us to be together. Can I be a little bit harder on you this morning? Isn't that all right? I'm not normally hard, but I just want to challenge us with our homes. I've known people, some people, I'm talking to this church right now, but I've known people for years and never known where they live. Something to me says, something's wrong about that. And I think God gives us homes as tools. And our homes, be it ever so humble, God uses our homes as places that we can bring people in. And when you go inside somebody's home, it's different than going out to eat, isn't it? When we go to a restaurant, that's cool, but going into your home, that's a whole lot more personal. And so I want to ask you a question. It's a little bit harder. And say, how many people have you had in your home in the last year? You go, Pastor, COVID. Yeah. Did you get it in COVID? Right. You're not supposed to do that. Okay. I'll give you that. How about the last two years? And there are exceptions, and there are reasons, and I get all that. But God calls us to build a community that really knows and loves each other. One of the beautiful things about that time of testimonies, if you didn't hear it, please listen to the service back on the 27th of December. We got really raw here at church. Some things were shared that were very, very transparent and open how God has met people in times of great pain and desperation. And I walked away from that service shaken. And it's an answer in part to my prayer that we could be a real church. That we're not just they come to church, look nice, greet people in the foyer and go home. I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in us being able to be real to walk with each other, to say, hey, I'm having a bad day and people will come around you. People who are struggling with all sorts of things that we can get to the heart and see God's redemption take place in a very personal level. And that excites me. That blesses me. That's what I heard in the 27th, people who are just open, saying, this has been my journey, and praise God, God's taken me through, or he's with me in the journey, and there is hope for you too. And I get excited about that, because there's strength in being together, and there's vulnerability in being alone. Alone, we get picked off. And I'm tired of watching my friends and brothers get picked off. And I want to do everything I can to see us strengthened, protected, that we got each other's back. It's not just about a picnic. Picnics are great. We're going to have some this year. Everybody like picnics? It's good. You know, we need different levels. That's where you meet people, and you get, you get, you get step one. But let's be those who invite people over for dinner. And maybe they bring a non safe friend, and we get to just share life together, and they get to see life take place. I'm jumping off of my notes, but this week I've been, I've been quarantined because I had an exposure to COVID, tested negative, praise the Lord, but I did the job. I stayed home and worked from home, and one of the things I did, I went through some old files, did a little bit of cleaning, came upon a letter written to my mom and dad, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago something like that and it was just from somebody who said how their life impacted this young girl when she was very lost and the things she shared were so insignificant I remember how Ray would park his car under the tennis ball hanging from the rafters and I'm thinking why would you ever remember that but it meant something to this little girl she remembered praying with my mother mother telling her about jesus and she said i go back to those days all the time because you were the only healthy family i'd ever met sad story she's come on with the lord praise the lord and you would never some girl running around she said i used to irritate you just so you would notice me She was older than I am, so I don't remember any of this, but I thought, you know, just a girl who was in a family that wasn't doing well, and then the Narelle home somehow gave her some hope in life. And you'd never, ever know it. And I go, we need to be those who just live our life in Christ with open homes and open hearts, and then watch God move. Watch God move when we're together. when we're together. And this is the, one of the reasons that I am forever committed to life groups. And I want to say very clearly before Jesus, this sermon is not a long promo for life groups. You know, I, I, life groups is a tool. But this is a push towards togetherness. This is a push to say we need each other. And in that strength of togetherness, we can reach out and we must always look out. It's not about just looking in, it's being together so we can look out and impact the world for Christ. And that's what my heart and passion is, is that we would be that kind of church. And I think we are. Don't hear me Saying that we we aren't we're growing. We have seven how many we got 17 life groups, I think, this this season. That's incredible. That's beautiful. We've got leadership. We have people who are a part of caring for this flock, and God's gonna do his work as we gather and love each other, listen to each other. And I also just want to say that it becomes more important than ever. We're in a world that's as divisive and divided, as I can remember. There's a lot of division going on. And when I read it, it grieves my spirit. I need to know what's going on in the world. But we need each other. And one of the challenges you're going to face in this is that you're going to find out we don't all think alike about everything. I mean, you don't even think about the same about within yourself. You have those battles, right? Well, on one hand, well, on the other hand, good luck with the rest of them. But the question is, can you be unified? Can you love people who think differently than you? Let me tell you, that's hard. It's hard. There's some people that, honestly, I just go, you know, I, I, God bless them over there. I just get frustrated, and I go, and Lord's like, no. Not going to give you that. We're called to love people who disagree with us as right as you may be. We all think we're right, right? I mean, who thinks I'm wrong? You know, I mean, of course. Um, But I just challenge you we're called to love one another, we're called to make time for one another. We're called to serve one another. And I've seen this church do this. So I'm speaking to who we are, but I'm challenging those who may say, well, I'm just going to stay off on the edges and challenge you, don't do that. My heart is not numbers for a life group. My heart is that you would have the abundant life that Christ has for you. And I am convinced that that abundant life you will not find alone. Therefore, I push that we find ways to join together. And I realize there are different situations and grace to people who, I, you know, this is not that thus saith the Lord, every one of you have to be in a life group where you're in sin. I did not say that. <laughs> well, I kind of said that, but I didn't do that. Um, what I'm saying is, don't be a Lone Ranger because the power of God comes to us together. And I'm asking the Lord in our life that the Holy Spirit would move in power in each and every one of our groups. It may be afterwards when you're having dinner. It may be when you're socializing. It may be in the middle of your prayer time. But I believe God wants to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in smaller contexts. We can't all, nor would we all, use our gifts on a Sunday morning. There is a place for that, but not, there's not a time for everyone to use those gifts on a Sunday morning. But there are other contexts, like life groups. And I've been in life groups since I've been here, and I've had multiple times where God has met me with a prophetic word from someone in the group who I didn't know ever ministered in the prophetic, but someone say, you know, the Lord Put something on my heart for you. And can I tell you this? And they spoke into an area and encouraged my heart and blessed me. And I appreciate that. And I want to see that flow in our church. Psalm 133 says, How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head running down the beard running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. If you take that scripture apart, when they were together in unity, they found the blessing of God. That's what we need, that's what we want. We want to be people who are walking in the blessing of God. And as difficult as it can be to be together, it's also super important for us as a church. And So I want to encourage you with the Life Group cards that are on your chair. We have a fill-out form. You can just fill those out and leave them on your chair. And we'll pick those up afterwards. You know, the. kind of groups, the core groups, which meet every week. I love those groups. I love that weekly being together is part of the routine and discipline of your life. But I realize that doesn't work for everybody's schedule. That's why we've developed what we're calling Freestyle, which just says we have different formats, different themes, different areas that may meet your need better. We're on Zoom Hopefully someday, not too far from here, we can get back to homes. I prefer homes, but right now, that's not a great option. But we're also meeting some in person here at the church. We're doing what we can in these challenging days. But I want to encourage us to consider being a part of a group because I believe that's where God will help disciple you, build you up, protect you, and where we find the blessing of God when we're together. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for that you didn't just call us individually to relate to you. You didn't just call us individually and make us isolated, but, Lord, you brought us into this family. And, Lord, by your grace and your creativity... You've brought each one of us here into City Hill, those who are online, those who are here in person, but Lord, you have brought us with each of our own stories to this church for this season. Father, help us to step through the barriers that can keep us apart and step into living in unity with each other, God, opening our homes, but more importantly, opening our hearts. Make us the church that will greatly please you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we close, I want to, if you guys haven't heard, I imagine most have, but our dear brother Dave Schold passed away last week. Dave Schold was the world's greatest greeter, the man in the wheelchair out there. Um, Dear man, one of the founders of this church, one of the patriarchs among us, Dearly beloved, my question was, well, who's going to give us a lollipop on our birthday? We'll have to figure that one out, but we do know a couple of good things. We know that when you get to heaven, who will be there at the gate? Dave won't be in a wheelchair, and he'll be there saying, welcome, I've been waiting for you. Praise the Lord. So we've got some lollipops for you going out just to, uh, in memory of our dear Brother Dave, who is no longer in a wheelchair. He's dancing, he's laughing, he's lighting up heaven. We'll miss him dearly Saturday, this coming Saturday at 1.30. is his memorial service right here. It's an open invitation. You're welcome to come join that. So that's this coming Saturday. Gonna miss the guy. You know what he'd do with me, just... Every sermon, he would sit the whole sermon and think of some joke to make about the sermon. Like, without fail. And then he'd be out there, and he'd say, Pastor, Pastor, come here, come here. And then he'd give me his line. i go, is that what you do my whole sermon? Oh, yeah, I got it. He's got a good one. So I I will miss those. You know, if David really, he's got some quip that he was thinking of, and it just brought him great joy. In the service, he was a man that brought joy everywhere he went and loved people. May we follow through. I said to some people, we've lost a patriarch. That means we got to step it up. we gotta, we got to be those people who step into the gap that some of those great men of God, the holes that they have left us. So pray for the family. The Schold's are everywhere. When they have a family, family reunion, about a third of the church is gone. <laughs> They were part of the whole establishment of this church over the last five decades so praise the lord i want to let you know that and you're welcome at the memorial service at 1 1 30 on saturday i got that right parker okay got that right and if you're our guest this morning i'll be at the welcome center love to meet you love to hear your story a little bit greet you out there and if you like prayer Steve's over here by the prayer room, someone to pray with you, someone to seek the Lord with you. We want to always be able to minister to the needs we have among us. God bless you. Have a great week. And be together as much as you can. In Jesus' name, amen.